Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hune. Our mission is to help you gain your freedom from the exhausting, never-ending corporate rat race. Because time is our most valuable asset. And life's just too short to do work we hate. Thanks for slowing down. All right, welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast, everyone. Today, my guest is uh, Anna Hall. And Anna is the founder and chief purpose officer of the Purpose Equation. Uh, She serves companies and their leaders so that they can incorporate a greater sense of purpose in their work, which tends to lead to happier, more motivated, and better performing employees. Now, prior to starting her own company, she spent 25 years um, in the senior living space, working hard to improve the lives of the elderly through technology. And... Really, she's just an all-around warm-hearted person who I've come to know and like. So, Anna, thanks for coming on today. I'm happy you're here. Brian, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. Sounds good. Let's jump in. So one of the things, Anna, um, that I do really admire about you is your pursuit of meaningful work. You know, you've dedicated most of your career to serving the elderly community and more specifically helping them live a purpose-driven life. And... I just think if there's anyone that can benefit from focusing on what matters most, it's folks who may only have, you know, a decade or less to live. And as you know, this resonates so much with me because I try to live my life that way. Like I only have a decade left because I know that while I'm doing great right now, I can always have another cancer relapse or I could have, you know, long-term side effects that show their, that, that rear their head. Um, And so this has really helped me to live with more purpose. So can you share just some of the insights, um, you know, on on the perspective that your work has provided you with and maybe even some of the specific stories about, you know, the impact that your work has uh, helped um, elderly people to achieve? Yeah, sure. So first of all, I am the luckiest person in the world to have been able to spend a career in the senior living world. I have met probably tens of thousands of older adults living in their 80s, 90s, and 100 plus. And they have been profound purpose teachers for me in two ways. One, in some cases, I saw what it looks like to live in a way that's disconnected from one's purpose. And our society causes this to happen for a lot of older adults when they retire. I don't like that word. I think retirement should be erased from our language. We don't need a word that says, I'm no longer working. It should be one of the many transitions that happens in our life. We have a lot of transitions. We graduate, we start new jobs, we get married, we change relationships. And so we also change how we are spending and sharing and investing our time. And work is simply one of those transitions. So that's the first thing. But a lot of people, when they transition from work into what's next, there's not a plan for what's next. We work so hard and we're so focused in our society on status and money that sometimes we just think of retirement as finally I get to take a deep breath problem with that is you take a deep breath for some people, it's two weeks, some people, it's two months, some people, it's two years. And then the question becomes, well, what's next? Who am I 
when I don't have this role or this goal associated with work. And, and that's what I call the retirement cliff. So that's why purpose is so important. And when people are disconnected from their purpose, the older adults that I have had the pleasure of knowing, what happens is they can get stuck. They stop engaging in life, stop being social, stop pursuing learning and doing the hard things that they were so driven to do during their career. And the challenge with that is that humans are social creatures and we all have a natural drive to make meaning in life. And when we're disconnected from the natural parts of us that help us to generate this meaning making, we, we get disengaged and we can feel sad. I don't like this term. It's kind of old fashioned. But in this context, I think it captures what is referred to as a failure to thrive or a failure to flourish. And so part of the work on the purpose equation is about subjective well-being, which is which means we're flourishing when we think our life is good, we feel our life is good, and we judge our life to be good. So on the other hand, when I have met older adults who are living with a sense of purpose and know how to make meaning in their everyday life, Evie was one of my purpose teachers. She was living with Alzheimer's disease mid-stage when I met her. I'll never forget her because her purpose and energy was so powerful that I still feel like I have the residue of Evie with me in my spirit. She was a teacher for work, but she was also a teacher in her everyday life. She taught me about poetry. She taught me a love of words. Uh, her purpose was with her until her last breath, and it had nothing to do with cognitive abilities. So that's that's one of the profound lessons that I've learned. But also what I've learned from older adults and then in my research to build the purpose equation is a term called mortality awareness. Mortality awareness happens for older adults. It's a natural part of aging if we're lucky enough to have longevity, that it's an awareness that we have fewer years ahead of us than the years we've already lived. So the equation for that, if I'm 90 years old, you know, if I make it to 100, that's amazing. I have 10 years left. I've lived 90 years. So there's an awareness at that point that I'm not going to be here forever. And when humans gain this mortality awareness, do you know what happens? This is what theories of aging teach us. We naturally want to make meaning. I've been there with people who are on their deathbed. And do you know what they talk about and what they care about in terms of their legacy? Did my family know that I loved them? Did my friends know that I cared about them? Have I left footprints in the sands of time that are going to continue to touch people in their heart and their mind and their spirit when I'm gone? You know, the inheritance is one thing, but that's not what people are thinking about unless it's about a way of showing love and creating security for the next generation. So part of what I want to do with the purpose equation is help people of all ages not have to go through an experience that causes mortality awareness, but give them the perspective of how precious life is and how a focus on meaning making enhances our health, our wellness, our happiness, our productivity, and all of those things. And Brian, when you were talking about 
your experience with cancer, what you just described is an encounter with mortality awareness. And I think you're comfortable with this. Could you share a little bit more about how your experience with cancer has shifted your perspective back to your values and your meaning making and, and really the magic that has come out of that? And also what I see and why I love knowing you is that you're so purpose driven. You know, you want to help other people make more meaning in their life. And you're doing it just like I am from, you know, a financial services perspective. So what was that impact of mortality awareness for you? Yeah, I, well, before all this happened, um, I was not a very values driven person at all. You know, I was just trying to live up to a standard, you know, some sort of external expectation. Like, that's it. Like, I wanted people to think I was successful. I wanted to, I actually hated my work so much that I wanted to make so much money that I could just quit and never have to do it again. But then to your point, then what, right? If you don't have purpose. So, but anyways, when I was first diagnosed with cancer, um, it was back in 2015 and it was, uh, I, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and it was indolent at that time, which means very slow growing. So that didn't really do anything to me. Like my doctor told me, Hey, this is fine. Um, you are going to probably live another three decades with today's medicine. If we just monitor this and manage it over time, it's more of like a chronic condition versus a life-threatening condition. But then um, in the summer of 21 was when it relapsed and it relapsed very aggressively and I had to go through six rounds of chemotherapy. That's when it really hit me. And I started thinking about these things, you know, Um, and I still think, you know, I've got plenty of life ahead of me for sure. Thank God to, you know, for, for modern medicine. Right. Uh, But I started thinking like, what if I only had 10 years left? Like, how are my kids going to remember me? They don't care about the money that I leave behind. They care about the memories that I leave behind and, you know, the, the values that I instill into them. And actually that's part of the reason why I do the podcast because I can talk and I can document all of these feelings and beliefs that I have. And my kids can go back and listen to them one day. Hopefully it's like 30 or 40 years from now, but, um, yeah, so there, there was a profound shift there. And, It's funny, if you asked me before that, like thinking about my life in terms of 10 years, I would have thought, well, that's a really short period of time, you know, especially for someone that's in their early 40s. But now when I look at 10 years and I think about being intentional and living according to my values versus trying to please other people, it's like, holy cow, that's a lot of time. I could create a lot of impact in 10 years. You know, so that's kind of, that's sort of been my mindset transformation. So this sense that you had that came up naturally about shifting to living with values and making meaning and doing work that you care about that helps others, all of that is purpose. Yeah, I like, I genuinely do not care about money anymore. Like I do to the extent that I want to be able to pay my bills. (laughs) Yes. Like I want to be able to pay my bills and take care of my family and enjoy my life, live every day and do the things that I want to do that are going to make me happy. You know, if I can do that, then I don't really care how many zeros are in my bank account. And 
I don't know. If you ask me, I think the financial services industry needs a little bit more of that mentality. Well, absolutely. And I think also part of the job of a financial planner is to help people live the life that they desire, right? Not the life that they think they should live. I say in in my purpose workshops that should equals guilt. I should earn this much money. I should have this title. I should reach this status. There's a lot of underlying messaging in our society that tells us all of these shoulds. Sometimes it comes from schools. A lot of times it comes from our families because that's what we know. But should is guilt and guilt does not serve us. Guilt makes us stuck. And you were a little bit stuck, it sounds like, before. You were stuck in the sense that you had to do this job, you had to make this money, and that was your sole focus. But how did you feel? How motivated were you? What, m- making money is an extrinsic motivation. So we make money, but then we just need to make more money afterwards, right? We reach a financial goal and then we just, our brain naturally says, well, that's good. Now what's the next financial goal? Meaning-making, on the other hand, decision-making and living in alignment with our values, our strengths, our natural personality, all of these things that I bundle up into what I call purpose, is what sustains our ability to keep exchanging our gifts and our talents with others every day throughout our life. And look at what you've done with this focus on purpose, whether you called it that or not. You quit your job, you started a company, you're spending more time with your family, and now you're helping other people make financial decisions that enhance their life. I mean, that right, you are the perfect illustration of what purpose can do. And it's crazy because, you know, like at the beginning of my career, I was really motivated to, you know, be successful because I was just young and driven, you know. But then as my career went on, my motivation became more like, I want to do enough to like not get fired because really there's no intrinsic motivation to what I'm doing. My only motivation is to maximize my check, you know, my commission check. Um, Whereas now, like I would do this for free. Like I, I want to get paid obviously, but now what I'm finding is that when money is not the goal, it's just the sort of natural outcome from doing the work that we're meant to do and providing value to the people we're meant to provide value to. Like it's always just going to be there. I'm not worried as much about it. Whereas before, like I told you, I wanted to make so much so that I could walk away. Now I'm like not worried about it. I know it's always going to be there. And going back to your point earlier about um, how you think retirement shouldn't exist. I couldn't agree with you more, especially in this day and age, you know, when you can, build relationships the way we have and the way you and I have with other people over the internet. Like even if it's just a small income stream to supplement your social security, like why would you ever retire? You know, if you could enjoy what you're doing and you're working with people and you're helping people, why? Yes. And you know, some people want to retire from, from needing or wanting to make money, but that doesn't mean that you retire from meaning making. What is it? What is it? What does it look like to go back and volunteer, or to mentor, or to teach what you've learned, or to volunteer at a university, or to make a difference in your community? Unfortunately, yeah. retirement just means like 
stop doing things? Like, no, humans need to keep doing things. And also that concept is just simply outdated because now if you retire when you're 65 or 70, you could live another 20 years. And those years need to have meaning making if you want them to be healthy, right? We, with modern medicine, can add years to our life. But if we're adding years that are riddled with illness and disconnection from our purpose, you know, what is, what's the point of those years? It's got to be adding quality years to our life. And purpose is really foundational to being able to do that. I'm curious if you could go into a little bit more on like the science behind that about how purpose can actually extend one's life. Because personally, I saw that with my grandmother, like when my grandfather passed away, um, she started going downhill pretty fast because, you know, they're, they're very old school, right? So like her purpose was to kind of like take care of her husband. That's the way society was you know, when, when they I were married. That, I hear her values of love and meaningful connection. And, and that was taken from her in a way that was hard for her to adapt. But then the other thing that happened with her though, is so she started going like downhill and then my, my younger brother, after he graduated college, like didn't have a place to stay. And she's like, come stay with me. Right. So he moved in with grandma for a little while. And now all of a sudden, like she had that purpose again, and you could start to see like this pep in her step a little bit. So for her, like I said, love and meaningful connection right? The, she was able to continue and, and evolve her purpose, which is another point. We aren't just born with purpose and that's how it stays the rest of our life. I like to compare purpose to an immune system. So you are, we are born with purpose. It's absolutely innate. We don't choose it. But what that means is as we are exposed to different people, different circumstances, different stressors, different challenges, different triumphs, our purpose changes and evolves within us based on those external circumstances. And so it's really important for us to continuously look inside and know ourselves so that we can hone this practice of exchanging our purpose in the world. So, so you asked me about the evidence and the research and the science behind it, which I love to talk about. You know, part of, part of how I got started with purpose through my work in senior living is that I wanted to get a bigger budget for the, the engagement lifestyle department, which is where a lot of my focus was throughout my career, whether it was for a tech company or working within senior living communities. And in business, how do you get a budget? You have to show that there's a return on the company's investment for that budget. So I had a, a, mm, an intuition, I would say, that purpose was really the foundation of this. Meaning, What does meaningful engagement mean? It means that we are creating environments and programs and culture and experiences that help people connect with that purpose inside of themselves so that then they can share it with others. Because we can't give residents or customers or clients or friends and family, we can't give them purpose. No one can give us something that's inside of us. It's up to us to figure it out and share it, but we can create circumstances that nurture 
and ignite that purpose so that it naturally comes out, which is what employers are missing out on, right? The definition of engagement in a company of an engaged employee is that they are able to connect their personal values to their work and to the work and mission of the company. So going back to your example, when you were, you were basically disengaged when you were, when you were working and just trying to earn money. If we had known that your values were spending time with family, a big one for you, right? Having meaningful experiences, then your employer could have maybe helped you to see how the work you were doing was impacting other people and their ability to be with their families or sharing more stories with you about the impact of your work rather than having it be this complete transactional experience that didn't touch you, right? Yeah, that's the biggest thing is everything is so transactional in our society. When things are transactional, people disengage. That's just a fact. And so when you look at the data around purpose, Employ- and this comes from McKinsey, Sloan, Gallup. It's incontrovertible evidence <laughs> that when, when employees feel cared about, meaning their employer understands their purpose, really, that's what it comes down to. Purpose is what are your natural gifts? What are your natural strengths? What is your innate operating system about how you perceive life and how you interact in life? How do you do that? What does that look like? Why? The why, Right. When employers can understand that and harness it and then unleash it, employees are more likely to stay. This addresses the massive retention challenge that we're seeing across industries right now. Employees are more engaged because they feel cared about and they care. When people are cared about, they extend that care beyond themselves, right? When people don't feel cared about, work becomes transactional. How do you care about people? Help them discover their purpose. Help them connect their purpose to their work. And that can be done, whether it's directly or indirectly. But employees who have a sense of purpose at work uh, are more resilient. So we we just addressed retention, engagement. Uh, Purpose helps us grow. When we can find potential and emerging leaders and help them understand their purpose, and then help them develop and grow in alignment with this most natural part of themselves, they're going to accelerate their growth. They are going to become leaders because they're going to understand how they can lead, not how they should lead, and not how to try to lead like someone else, but how they can truly embody their version of leadership that's motivating and inspiring. And then from a health perspective... People who are connected with their sense of purpose live seven years longer on average, are 50% less likely to have a stroke, reduce their risk of uh, being impacted by the effects of cognitive decline, have healthier, more meaningful social relationships. That alone is something that our society can hold on to. Humans are social creatures. A lack of socialization is the same thing as smoking multiple packs of cigarettes every day. Mm. So when people would be true, Surgeon General says so. So when people have social connections and they have a desire and they find meaning in it because they know how to exchange meaning with others, 
they're going to be braver and more willing and more motivated to go out and connect. So purpose is a matter of life. Purpose is a matter of health. And also, here's my soapbox here. Purpose is not a matter of happiness. Uh, I've had some advisors who told me I should call it the, the happiness equation. Uh, but I refused, maybe to my own detriment, <laughs> because people kind of understand the concept of ha- of happiness while purpose is yeah. more vague. But I think that having a sense of meaning is way better than the transient impact of happiness, right? Happiness is more surface level and reactive based on circumstances. Yes, it's a mindset, but it's I think it's really meaning that underlies true sustained happiness. It's interesting because I've um, faced that challenge as well with my business where I want to try to not use the wording that everybody hears about all the time in my industry because I'm trying to do something totally different that's that's more meaningful. And you are. And keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you, um, you talked about leaders having a sense of purpose. Do you typically find that like once the leader has a true sense of purpose, it tends to trickle down? Or is there still a lot of work to be done there? Here's the thing. With each individual with like each individual. Any human who connects to their sense of purpose is going to have an exponential effect on everyone in their orbit. Because it's so natural. It's what we crave for survival. Purpose is what helps us connect. Purpose is what helps us share our gifts. Purpose is what helps us put one foot in front of the other. When we face challenges and we don't know what to do, our purpose can tell us at least the next step to take and the next one after that. So yeah, leaders who are not connected with them with themselves, their purpose, uh, I think it's very difficult for them to lead other people when they don't understand themselves, when they don't have that self-awareness and that emotional intelligence about who they are and what makes them tick. How can they possibly understand how to motivate and help others understand what makes them tick, right? Leadership is not about making people do things. Leadership is about motivating and inspiring people to become leaders in their own right and have everybody marching together to reach the same goal. That's the definition of leadership. And so, yes, purposeful leaders are more inspiring, more impactful, probably more efficient, Because the other thing about purpose is once people discover their purpose, I would say 100% of the time, they fall in love with it. Hmm. And when you love your purpose, it makes you stop comparing yourself to other people. It makes you understand that who you are as a being is enough. And that takes a lot of the toxicity out of leadership, right? An insecure leader leads with fear. Fear causes disengagement. And that's the opposite of of the traits that we need in our leaders. We need leaders that want to pull everything, everyone along with them and then see those people surpass. That's really the job of a leader, right? So just now you touched on a couple of things, comparison and enough. And it's interesting to see just 
again, the parallels between the work you're doing and the work I'm doing in the, in, in the financial advice world, because I, I have these conversations with clients all the time, like stop comparing yourself to others. That's one of the easiest ways to cut down on your expenses. Um, yes. Know what your enough is because you know what you truly value, not some sort of expectation that you're trying to live up to. Mm-hmm. And when you stop comparing and you know what's enough for you, man, does it become easy for you to start building a lot of wealth, especially right. if you're in a pretty high paying industry. And I can't tell you how many people are making, you know, four or $500,000 a year and have nothing because they're just trying to keep up because of that comparison and not knowing what's enough for them. So that really resonates deeply with me. Yeah. You know, because every person is unique, like a snowflake, we all have a very unique purpose. So there will never be another Brian. There will never be another Anna, right? We are the one, the only one is Beyonce says, I love Beyonce, (laughs) (laughs) but it's true. And so what's the point of comparing? We're comparing something that from an analytical perspective is incomparable. It's not even comparing apples and oranges. Like we are each unique being. You can't compare. All we can do is appreciate, celebrate, and honor who each of us is. Yeah. We've got this one life to share our one unique purpose and really, you know, being held back by shoulds and guilts and comparing ourselves to others and, you know, trying to strive to be someone without actually knowing who we are. It's a waste of time. And that's the other thing I learned from older adults. Life goes by really fast. 90 years sounds like a long time. It's not. It goes by like that. And so I I say to people, I don't even say, how do I want to spend my time? I say, how do I share my time? And how do I invest my time? Because time is that precious. And if you're just spending your time, I'm betting that there's not a lot of meaning or intention in that. And and you'll look back at your life and say, damn, at the end. 100%. Yeah, I've started incorporating that into financial planning. Like when we start to set goals, financial goals aside, the first question is, okay, how much time are you going to commit to that goal? Then once you know how much time you're going to commit to that goal, because time is more valuable than money, now we can figure out how much money you can contribute to that goal. Yes. So they both have to be included in the equation there. Um, I want to go back real quick just to something you said about um, you know, purpose helps companies increase their retention, which makes total sense to me. But I was thinking about like my situation when I was sitting in the corporate world in my roles that weren't fulfilling and I had no purpose. And I feel like the reason for that, and this is probably the case for a lot of people out there, is that we kind of like suppress our intuition. You know, like when we're a kid, we kind of live according to our intuition. And then we go to college and we get taught you have to get this degree and you have to go get this job and be successful. And then you just start suppressing your intuition. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you're in a place that's just a wrong fit. And it like, to me, it, does, it wouldn't matter to me if anybody tried to, you know, help me see a little bit more purpose in the work I was doing. And maybe I'm just an exception, but 
like I had to create my own company because I literally could not find a company in my industry that did things in a way that I would actually recommend to people that I care about. So I wonder, like, is that common where like sometimes when you start focusing on purpose, maybe somebody will realize, you know what, maybe this just is not the right fit for me. Does it go both ways? Absolutely. And CEOs will say to me, well, you know, what if you help someone discover their purpose equation and then they think that and then they realize they're in the wrong job? I say, you're welcome. You're welcome. Because, you know, it it goes back to the classic business book. You've got to have people in the right seat on the bus and you can't force it. Right. So help that person get on the right seat in the bus or help them move on and put someone in that role where there is better alignment. And then the other thing that you said about suppressing, like I said, we're born with purpose and a lot of things in our society can cause us to suppress it or overlook it or underlook it or look past it. But most of my work with individuals comes from people like you, people who are at the you know peak of their career. They've reached the status they want. They've reached the income that they want. They are successful by all measures on paper, but they feel that something is missing. And they feel that sense of missing so much that it becomes a crisis. And then they become disengaged or they take a sabbatical or they quit their job without having something else lined up because they're, they're, they're in a state of confusion about how come I'm successful, but I don't feel it. How come I'm looking around and I have this beautiful house and three cars and everything I need, but it doesn't matter. Something's missing. And that, that is purpose. So for some people, yeah, companies can do way better at helping to connect our values to our work. In some cases, people have just put their head down and done what they should do in life. But, you know, this disconnection from purpose, it catches up with us going to catch up. And thank God it does, because if we want to have the rest of our life be meaningful and healthier, then we need to connect with that purpose. And, you know, luckily in our society, we can change course. We do have transferable skills. We can take back control of how we spend our time and how we spend our money to live more in alignment with how nature made us. I'm curious if, if somebody feels like they do need to make a transition, what are your thoughts on, you mentioned sabbatical, like what are your thoughts on just completely unplugging, you know, taking that sabbatical to kind of do some soul searching and figure out what the next chapter is going to look like versus trying to kind of reframe your mindset around your current situation? Well, (laughs) the first thing that I recommend is not quitting the job because that can sometimes cause more stress unless you've got, you know, like a like a savings. But what I recommend first is for people to refuel their joy and their purpose. A lot of times by the time people have that awakening and say what I'm doing now is not working anymore, they have reached such a per- a point of burnout and exhaustion that it's hard to think clearly. And they're just in survival mode, going through the steps, but not really being present. So the first thing I recommend is to do what I call joy fuel. That is be intentional 
about spending 15 or 20 minutes a day. You can fit this in 15 or 20 minutes a day doing things that are pure joy, activities that make you lose sense of time, lose sense of yourself and self-consciousness that just fill you up with joy and happiness. For some people, that's you know a great workout or spending time in nature or meaningful time with people that they love and care about. But get that back into your life first to fuel your purpose, to fuel your life spirit so that you can then make a more informed, less desperate decision about how to change your path or how to navigate your path. For some people, stepping away from all the stress is exactly what they need. For a lot of us, though, it's really using joy to reconnect with our purpose, right? To create that energy pathway and strengthen it so that we can kind of get back into living and not just surviving and make clearer choices. And and then at that point, whether it's through the purpose equation or yoga or meditation or um, ikagi, ikaji, did I say it right? Whatever the method is of finding purpose, please, for your listeners, discover your purpose and bring it to life every day because it, it is a matter of supporting everything else that you do in life. Yeah, that's that's such good advice. What did you call it? Joy fuel? I call it joy fuel. Just, joy fuel's you, purpose. Yeah, that's such good advice because um, I think a lot of times the things that actually bring us joy too often, we're like, oh, well, I'll do it when I get around to it because my calendar is so busy. Like that needs to be the start. Like, it does. Put that into your calendar first and then build around it. And I was always afraid to do that when I was in the corporate world. But as I'm learning from people who navigated those waters a little better than I did, they've told me like they put up those boundaries, right? Like they block off their calendar. They turn down meetings that are like optional and they'll feel guilty if they don't go, you know, and then their superiors actually start respecting them more because they're putting up boundaries because they're being protective over their time, you know, and they're, they're valuing themselves first. So you have a big project or a big deliverable, don't put off joy, get joy, like schedule joy in the middle of it, beginning, middle and end so that you can finish that race and be proud of the output and actually do it faster and more efficiently. People put off joy when really joy is a key, a key ingredient to fueling our our energy. Well, Anna, another thing I want to touch on here is everything we're talking about here resonates so deeply with me, so deeply with you, and hopefully with the listeners. And it's so important, but it's also kind of becoming a buzzword. And sometimes when things become a buzzword, you know, it... it makes people sort of roll their eyes or not really paying pay attention to it. And I feel like this is something that's so important that we can't allow that to happen as a society. So what are your thoughts about that? It is becoming a buzzword. And in a way, I'm really happy about that because at least there are more conversations about purpose. Uh, but I encourage people to look past the buzz and the trend and really to look inside and ask yourself, what do I value? What are my strengths? What do I naturally pay attention to in daily life? How do I like to interact in relationships? All of those are like key indicators of purpose. And it, it's worth exploring and understanding yourself and understanding your why. Because then you have a North Star 
that leads you to the life that you want, the life that you were built to live. And I, I really think that meaning making and living with purpose is the meaning of life. And everything else that we do is, is simply a way to support that and to have what we need to have basic needs taken care of. So purpose is, is a buzzword, but what purpose means is why am I here and how do I bring the best of myself to everything that I do to make the world a better place so that I can share and exchange this natural superpower with others? That's really what it's about. Well, it sure is all not about money because money is just an imaginary construct. So why would accumulating a bunch of it be the purpose to life? So. It's totally made it's, up. It's, it's, exactly it's, what right. does it? What does it? What purpose does it serve? It's a tool to accomplish what you're meant to accomplish and, and achieve the purpose that you're meant to achieve. So that's how we got to think about it. And you know, money becomes a. Some people have more of it than others, and causes this imbalance and suffering in the world. Whereas an exchange of purpose, of goods and services, of love is is really what we're built for. So Anna, um, I love the work you're doing. You know, you're on a mission that I think more people need to know about. So where's the best place for people to go if they want to learn a little bit more about your work and maybe connect with you? Brian, you're on a mission too. And I am so grateful to you for this conversation. I feel enriched by it. Keep going with your mission to help people live with purpose. Uh, if people want to learn more about me and the purpose equation, can visit thepurposeequation.com or send me an email, discover at thepurposeequation.com. And I share a lot of thoughts and insights. And, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. So the learning that I'm doing, I share through my LinkedIn feed as well. So you can look me up on LinkedIn. All right, great. Anna, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, we'll do that. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career, transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks and see you next time.